Would y'all stand up with us this morning as we begin with worship? My heart hangs on every word that you speak. I need you, Lord, come find me. Holy Spirit, breathe. I've been walking through deserts. I need more of your presence. I'm weak. Savior, be my strength. Down in the valley, when waters rise, I'm still believing. Hope Greenberg Nazarene, we are so uh, thankful that you're here to worship with us. I'd like to invite the ushers this morning to come forward as we continue in worship with our tithes and offerings. And while they're coming this way, just a couple of announcements. Uh, this upcoming Saturday, our men's ministry is going to be having a fish fry at 6 o'clock at the Iberg Farm. 
um, just north of town. We're going to be sending their address. Actually, their address is in the bulletin if you grabbed one this morning. We'll be sending that out on our men's ministry text uh, later on this week. So make sure if you're not signed up for our text um, that you, you sign up for that in just the upcoming days so you can get that reminder. But then, and also, in just a few short weeks, Halloween is coming up, and we're going to be having our Eat and Treat on October 29th, right after service. So put that on your calendars. We're going to have food and uh, free Loblolly ice cream and, and lots of games and candy for everybody. But we need your help over the next couple of weeks to uh, to donate some candy. So if you would, while you're at Walmart or, or Sam's Club or wherever you may be, grab a couple of bags of whatever your favorite candy is, and you can drop it off at the Welcome Center or, or uh, on Wednesday night or on Sunday mornings. So let me pray for our offering, and we'll continue in worship this morning. Dear God, as we have come before you, we are so grateful and we are so thankful for everything that you are, God. As we've just sang, um, may, may this morning, may we remember everything that you've done for us. The fact that you sent your son to, to live, to die, to be resurrected for us, God. For, to not only give us an example of how we are to live, but to give us a better way of life. To a life free from sin and full of forgiveness. God, we pray that as we continue in worship this morning, that in everything we do, we focus on you. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide And trembles at His voice And trembles at His voice How great is our God Sing with me how great is our God And all will see how great, how great is our God. And age to age He stands, and time is in His hands, beginning. God had three and one. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God. Sing with me. Great is all. 
Today's reading is from Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the, Father, fear the Lord, and he put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to the false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and to tell of your deeds, 
there they would be too to many declare. Sacrifice the offering you did not desire, but put the ears you have but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and to your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness in the great, from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fights to 
no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. This morning, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for your presence here among us this morning. As we continue in worship, as we open up your word, God, we pray that you have a, a very special message for each and every one of us, God, that, that you will transform us, that you will mold us into your image, and that we will take that out wherever we may go this week. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to join Hunter in welcoming you, welcoming you to our service today. We're excited that you're here. If you're a guest that's visiting with us today, it's great to uh, have you join us. If you're looking for a church family, uh, we would love for you to be a part of our family. We are not perfect. Uh, about, um, boy, half of us are crazy, and so you'll fit right in. But uh, it's so good to be able to worship with you today. I've been telling you for the past few weeks that we're going to do something special in the month of October. And what we're doing is we're having a, a volunteer drive. We're uh, going to share with you opportunities throughout this month to be able to serve the body of Christ. Uh, we have been commanded to build the kingdom of God, to go and make disciples. And each of us has a part in the family of God. Uh, there is not a part of the family of God that is not needed and needed to be active and serving and working. And so we're going to put some emphasis each week on some areas in the church where you might uh, be interested in serving. And this first Sunday, uh, one of our 
uh, ministries that utilizes the most volunteers out of any, any ministry in our church, and that's our children's department. We have an awesome uh, children's director, Amanda Odom, does a tremendous job uh, of leading that ministry and organizing and, and working to get volunteers to fill all the spots. And she's going to share with us this morning a little bit more about the opportunities in our children's ministries. Hey everyone, the entire month of October is going to be our volunteer campaign at Greenbrier Nazarene. This first week is where we need the most help in our kids ministry. Every single Sunday, we need 10 volunteers to ensure we're providing a safe and fruitful environment for over 100 kids that are part of our GN Kids program. Our goal is to have enough volunteers to where you would only have to serve four Sundays a year. To do that, we need your help. Our ministries are set up to where preparation and planning is all done on the front end by our staff. All we need from you is your permission to run a background check. So we wanna ask you, could this be you? I cannot tell you how fulfilling it is to serve in the GN Kids Department. Those kids have become my kids, and I have been able to watch them grow from the infant toddler room to becoming preteens. And it is a blessing. Those precious souls are our future, and we really need to keep planting the seeds so their souls can grow for Jesus. And if I'm being honest, their childlike faith always puts a boost for the Lord in my own soul. And if the Meadows family can serve, then you definitely can serve. This Sunday is your opportunity to be a part of our GN Kids ministry. Sign up at the Welcome Center and receive a free t-shirt. And don't miss out on your chance to be a part of the best team ever. Well, I often encourage you when people say, where can I serve? What should I do? What is God's will for my life? Well, I can stand before you today and tell you with great confidence that God's will for your life is to build the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. That's what we're all about is building His kingdom uh, here on this earth. And I often tell you, if you don't know where to serve, just look for where God is at work and go and join Him in that work. Uh, you don't have to create your own ministry. Look for where God is at work and join Him in that work. It's that easy. And I, let me tell you, one of the greatest places that God is at work is in children's ministries. And so I encourage you uh, to be a part of what God is doing. Uh, we uh, want you to be a part of the best team ever. Many have asked about the t-shirts, and we're giving away t-shirts for free to those who will sign up to volunteer to serve today in children's ministries. And each week we'll have a different emphasis. And if you sign up, you'll get one of these awesome t-shirts that our staff and praise team are wearing uh, today. And if you don't sign up, then you can buy a t-shirt and be a part of the best team ever. We'll have those for sale and available the last Sunday of this month, which is our Eat and Treat. We will have t-shirts available for sale. So if you sign up, you get one free. If you don't want to sign up, you're going to pay. So uh, either way... Uh, they're awesome shirts, and I appreciate our staff so much for all the work that they've done. I also want to share one other thing uh, with you, uh, in particular about our children's ministries. We have 
just a phenomenal, phenomenal preteen uh, group of students and leaders. And it's amazing what God is doing. Uh, I, I saw a picture of our sixth grade group on Wednesday night. We have a huge group of sixth graders in, in our church right now, and they sent me a picture. And they're all boys except for two. This huge group of sixth graders, and there's two girls. But don't worry about those two girls, because I promise you, they can hold their own with that group of boys, because I, I know for sure one of them's a McGinney girl, and so it's all good. She's safe. She probably can whip every boy in that group. But uh, one of the things that they do is they, that, that preteen group, they have a passion to want to do something to serve themselves. And so they come up with ideas of how these young people, how they can serve God and help do kingdom work as well. And so several months back, we shared with you that they were wanting to put some care kits together uh, with some hygiene products, a bottle of water, a snack, and things like that. And th they wanted to put those together, and so we did a little drive to collect things. And I don't know how many of those kits that they've put together, many of you have taken them. But what they wanted to do, what their mindset was, was they were, they were going to build these kits. And since they're not old enough to drive, they wanted to make them available out there in the lobby for the church family to take and put in their cars. And when you pull up to a red light or a stop sign where there's a homeless person or someone in need, or maybe you run into someone on the street, you'll have something to give them that these kids have made. And I think that's absolutely awesome. And so I just want to remind you that those are available out in our lobby for you to take Put in your card. You might want to add something with them. Uh, Lynette and I recently bought some uh, McDonald's gift cards, and that would be an awesome thing to drop in one of those kits as well. Those are available. Our kids want to serve others, and we talk about in our benediction every week that we are, we, we're called to go out and help the needy. And so you help our preteens help the needy and take those bags, and I'm sure if we run out that they would love to make us some more uh, in the future. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. For those of you that were here last week, the 25 men that were here uh, last Sunday, all of our women were gone. They had a great retreat, uh, I've heard. Uh, but we were in 2 Samuel chapter 6 last week for just a second, and then we jumped over to 1 Chronicles. But uh, while you're finding 2 Samuel this morning, just a reminder too, one other announcement. Two weeks from today, our staff is hosting Lunch on Us. And what that is, it's a free lunch available to anyone that would like to meet our staff, find out more about the Church of the Nazarene. Maybe you're new, maybe you're newish, maybe you've been coming a long time, but you would still like to meet all of our staff and find out more about our church. Sign up for lunch with us or lunch on us. You can contact, just let one of our staff members know, or you can contact the church office, and I believe there's some other ways to sign up online, but uh, we want to encourage you to do that. 
I'm excited this morning to be continuing this series on King David that we've been in now for the last six years. And, and we're going to take, um, we're going to take a, a look at another very interesting story. Uh, David's life is filled with interesting stories. And this morning we're going to look at another interesting story of David's life. And I think it will help us learn some, maybe some things, be reminded of some things that probably we already knew, but... God's Word teaches us about worship. And we often think of worship as music or style of music and singing. And yes, that is an important part of worship. And we see that throughout Scripture. And we're going to talk about that in more detail today. But worship also includes serving. Serving God is a form of worship. And so those that are back there with our uh, children's ministries today, they're actually worshiping God through their service. Uh, another way that we worship God is through the giving of our tithes and offerings. The Bible is clear. The Bible uh, instructs us to do these things. It is a, is a form of worship to our God. But we often think of worship as music. And I just want to address the elephant in the room of every sanctuary in every church across America today. Uh, worship in church has become an extremely controversial subject. Some of you know this. Some of you have felt this. Some of you uh, are maybe a part of this. I don't even know. But uh, even here, we, we probably get more suggestions about worship and singing than anything else that we do in the church. We get a lot of recommendations. We get a lot of ideas. We get a lot of feedback uh, about worship. And we get more on that on our style of worship than, than anything else. And, and strangely, uh, the, you know, we've had people that have come to our church and wanted to be a part of our church because of the type of worship that we do. Uh, we've had people that have left our church because of the type of musical worship that we do. It's interesting to me, we have people that come to early service because they prefer the style of worship that we do in the early service. And if you're a, uh, uh, you, you think that there's only going to be hymns sung in heaven at the throne of God and you're dead set on that, get up early and come to the 830 service because we only sing songs that are 200 years old, okay? And so you will love that. Uh, I, I don't know if you eat food that's 200 years old, but you, you know, some of you like to sing songs that are 200 years old, and, and I'm not against that. Some of you probably would be surprised at my uh, music, uh, uh, what I like better, but, uh, and then some come to second service because they like the, the style of worship in the circuit, second service better as well. I find it interesting, though that people sometimes will choose a church based on the kind of music that they sing and they worship with. It's one of the primary factors today in America where people choose to go to church. Even more uh, in surveys, surveys show that people will pick a church over the style of music over the doctrine that that church has. They'll pick it over the preaching content. They will pick it over the community involvement of the church. 
that it will become the, the, the music, the, the worship music is something that dictates whether they attend a certain church or not. But here's what I love about our church. We have all kinds. We have all kinds of people, people with all kinds of backgrounds, uh, people with all kinds of different church backgrounds. A lot of, uh, uh, some of you may not know this, but I was not raised a Nazarene. I was raised in the Free Will Baptist Church, and I'm thankful for the Free Will Baptist Church. Lynette was raised in a General Baptist Church, which is really just a a Free Will Baptist Church with more people. Um, But, uh, you know... And when, when I was a kid, I had, I had friends. Some of my best friends went to the Church of the Nazarene, though, in Conway. I thought it was a cult. I, didn't, I had no idea what it was and didn't know until later in life. And who knew that I would be the pastor of a Nazarene church? We've got some people that come to our church that were raised Catholic. Some that were raised Methodist, some Presbyterian, some Episcopalian. Some of you were raised uh, right here in this church. But, you know, all of our backgrounds are different. Some of you, uh, see if you can relate to me. You were raised in a very solemn and reverent church where you were not allowed to speak above a whisper in the sanctuary. Anybody remember those days? Were you raised in a church like that? And if you did, your mama took you out between the cars and she busted your hind end, right? And, and, And then she would tell you, you better stop crying before I get you back in that sanctuary. I'm going to bring you out here again. Right Now, some of y'all think that's cruel that a parent would take their child between the cars. Lynette actually did that. Took one time, didn't it, honey? One time, she took them out. It was right out here in the parking lot. She took our two out between the two cars. She wore them out. She brought them back in and made them mine. After that day, all she had to do was look at them and say, you want to go between the cars? And that was all it took. Some of you need to learn this lesson. You need to take that child out between the cars, right? But some of us were raised in church where it was very quiet, very solemn, very reverent. Others of you came from church backgrounds where quiet is a word that you would never use to describe your church. Some of you were raised in churches that were very loud. Some of our charismatic uh, brothers and sisters uh, in, in faith. It, it's, the music is a lot louder. People are shouting. People are clapping. People are actually singing uh, loud. And, and they may even be a runner in the house. Anybody been in a church where there was a runner in the house? I remember the first time I saw Brother Madewell take off. I thought, I should run too. I don't know what's going on, but he's running from something. Come to find out he was running to something, not from something. And so some of you uh, were raised in in churches like that. Had someone tell me recently, and I don't think she would mind me sharing this. She said, you know what? I knew that I had found the right church. When I came to this church, I walked in the door and I heard laughter. Laughter. And I thought, how cool is that? I totally agree with that. Because I believe the body of Christ ought to be the happiest people in town, right? I I believe we ought to be able to clap and laugh and have fun and and maybe even have a little fun at each other's expense. You know, a lot of y'all have fun at my expense. It's okay with me. I'm good with that. But I want to to think, talk about this a, a little more in depth this morning 
And here's something that the Apostle Paul said. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said this about a body of believers coming together to worship together. He said this. He said, unbelievers should walk into your worship service. Unbelievers should walk into a gathering of the body of Christ and say, God is really among you. Unbelievers ought to walk in this place and say, God is really among them. And sense that and know that. And so there's a lot for us to think about today as we're talking about volunteering and serving and and worshiping. So let's just dive in this morning and let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. We're going to begin at verse 2. David's now become the king of Israel. He is now the, 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 you know, where... Uh, God has intended for him to be, to be the, the king of his children. And verse 2 in chapter 6 says that David and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. Now, the ark of God, or uh, you might be more familiar with the ark of the covenant, In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, this Ark of the Covenant contained the presence and the power of God, okay? It was where God was. It was where He dwelt. It was in the Ark of the Covenant, and this is why it was so important to the people in the Old Testament. We talked about this last week for those that that weren't here, but the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away from the nation of Israel by their enemies, the Philistines. And you can find that story in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 5. And and, and it's a funny story about how it ended up where it is right now, but uh, that can be your homework assignment because we don't have time for that story today but now the ark is at this guy's house uh, and this guy's name is Abinadab okay and so here we are 20 years later David becomes king and he decides the ark of God should be with the people of God and should be in the tabernacle right and so verse 3 says they set the ark of God they went they went to get it at Abinadab's house they set the ark of God on a new cart And they brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, cymbals, electric guitars, drums, kazoos. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah, reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen had stumbled and he didn't want the ark to fall to the ground, okay? And so he reaches out. Verse 7 says, The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died right there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry Because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. This is one of the things I love about the Bible. It's one of the things I love about the story of David. But the Bible, and David in particular, does not sugarcoat anything that God does, right? He he just tells it all. And so David is upset with God. 
Uh, you know, I, one time I preached a sermon and I talked about it, it's uh, you, okay for us sometimes to be upset with God or even be mad at God. And someone said, how can you say that? And I said, because it's the truth. It happened all throughout Scripture. David would get upset with God, and this is one of those times he's, he's angry. He's, he, he's like, come on, God. You know, he's just he's trying to do you a favor. What, what are you doing striking him dead? I mean, he's trying to keep the ark of God from falling to the ground. And there are probably some people that read this, and they're like, you know, God's kind of mean. I'm kind of afraid he might zap me someday, you know. And, and, and so, you know, maybe this kind of offends you a little bit like it did David. But, but here's the deal. Listen, if, if the requirement of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that nothing in the Bible offends you, then it'd be really hard to be a follower of Christ because there are some things in there that we just don't like, that, that just uh, we, don't, we don't think is, is right. And, and, and so like David, there, there are things in this book that honestly bother me. There are things in the Bible that I don't like. But here's the deal. Like David, we've got to learn to trust God despite of those things that we don't understand. We've got to learn to trust God despite of the things that we think He allows to happen. We still must trust Him and what He's doing. I, I, you know what? I, I figure if God is God and I'm not, then there's a lot of things that God does or God allows that I'm not going to understand. Because I'm not God, and He is. And so, uh, uh, now let's move on. Let's look at the next verse, verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, so not only is he mad, he's also scared. You blame me? <laughs> right? Don't touch that thing. <clears throat> so David is afraid of the Lord, and, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord, ever, how can we ever get it to where it's supposed to go? And he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he dropped it off at the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And so this brings us to Obed-Edom, who we talked about last week. And by the way, if you missed last week's message, and I'm not going to look at my wife, but if you missed last week's message, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Because it's absolutely one of my favorite messages out of this series. It is my favorite, favorite message so far out of this series. And my intentions were, and I shared this last week to the 25 men that were here. My intentions were to preach the message that I preached last week. My intentions were to preach it this week. But for some reason, God kept pulling me toward preaching it last week. And there was a reason that God pulled me to preach it last week when it would have fit better this week with my plan. But he said, no, you do it, and you'll just have to listen to the message to figure out why. But we saw the result of someone in Obed-Edom last week. We saw the result of someone who had experienced the presence and the power of God in his life. And because he experienced it, he was willing, he was devoted to living in the power and the presence of God, worshiping the presence of God, serving in the presence of God. Once he had experienced God work in his life and in his family, it changed all of his priorities, okay? But first today, what I want to look at here is this, and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. I want you to hear me out. Because some of you may 
see this point and go, I'm done with this guy. I'm walking out. He's wearing a T-shirt and blue jeans, preaching. My goodness. I believe this is the first time I've wore blue jeans preaching in a couple years now. I don't even know. Um, 25 men that were here last week know I had on jeans last week. I told them, I said, the reason was my wife wasn't home to tell me I couldn't wear them. And this week, they told me to wear jeans and a T-shirt, so I don't even know what's going on around here. First thing we see here, though, I want to talk about is the problem of the power and the presence of God. And use Yuza this morning as an example and look at what happened to him. Because if we're honest this morning, we don't, we don't get it, right? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't get why God struck him down. What, what was he supposed to do? Just stand there and watch the ark of the Lord fall to the ground? You know, it seems that he's, he's just trying to be helpful. It almost kind of seems like a natural reaction. You know, at the very least, the punishment seems way more severe than the crime. But, but here's the deal. The whole point of this story, I think we miss. You see, the whole point of this story is that the punishment was not more severe than the crime. And I want to explain to you why. Because if you go back in the Old Testament to the book of Exodus, if you go to Exodus chapter 25, God gave them very specific directions and instructions on how to build this ark, what the ark was to contain, how the ark was to be carried. He gave very specific instructions about how it was supposed to be carried. You see, this ark was built with loops. There, there were loops on each side of the ark that you could run these long poles through. And that is how God told them to carry the ark. It, it had a covering on it to keep them from even accidentally touching the ark. And so they ran these poles through these loops and they would carry the ark of the covenant by these poles and so that's how, how God commanded them to do it. That's what he, he told them to do. But what we see here is that they didn't do it God's way. Right? David chose to ignore these biblical instructions, this, these biblical commands. David decided, you know what, I, I got a better way. Um, and, and you'll notice there... In Scripture, that the better way was, well, let's put it on a cart that has wheels and we can move it a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster, right? David chose to ignore these biblical instructions and do it his way because if you think about it, isn't our way always better than God's way? And we were like, no, no. We're repulsed by that statement. But there are so many things in this world that God told us to do and commanded. And we have, you know, Scripture that tells us what we're to be doing and not doing. And we come up with a better way to do it. Because our way's got to be better than God's way, right? I'll just give you an example. It has nothing to do with church. God gave us fruit. It's awesome. Fruit's good. It's real good. We figured out a way to make it better. Right? Well, we, can, we, can, we can spray that 
and, and we can keep the, the bugs off of it, and we can put preservatives on it and, and make that stuff. That, that stuff will stay good for, for six months in Walmart, right? I mean, we, we got Twinkies today that oh, we went to a museum somewhere, and there was a Twinkie in there that was 25, 30 years old, still looked like an original Twinkie. I mean, we can, we can take what God gave us, and we can make it all so much better. Maybe why some of us in bad health. Listen, we, we don't get to decide to do things our way when God has already laid out the plan to do it his way. Friends, that also includes how we worship him and how we serve him. But the biggest issue here, Yuza doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want the ark to get damaged. He, he doesn't want it to get dirty. He doesn't want it to hit, to hit the ground. But he doesn't understand that his hand is more filthy than the dirt that he's trying to keep it from falling in. And, and here's what I mean by that. You see, the, the dirt had never rebelled against God. The, the, the dirt had never sinned. It, it wasn't dirt that would defile the ark. It was the touch of a man that would defile the ark. And sometimes I, I, I think we're like Yuza and, and we're totally unaware of the power in the presence of God. And as I, I, I was thinking about this, I, I was like, you know what? We ought to be totally shocked. We ought, we ought to be surprised that when we pick up the Word of God, we're not immediately struck dead. Because it is the mind, it is the Word of God, it, it's, it's through that, that that He changes us and makes us and he molds us and he directs us and it's so powerful and and, and scripture talks about the power of the scripture and, and and it shocks me that when we pick up a bible we're just not struck dead some of you would never have nothing to worry about just saying <laughs> if we got visitors here they're never coming back are they i'm sorry um but you, you know why we're not struck dead when we pick up a Bible? Because Jesus was struck dead for us. He took your place. Because you aren't holy enough to be in the presence of the Father. You, you, aren't, you aren't holy enough to have the presence of the Father dwelling in your life somebody had to die and because of time I won't read all the rest of the story but a few months later after David heard of how Obed-Edom is being blessed by having the ark in his home and oh by the way did I mention I preached on Obed-Edom last week go listen to it because it was supposed to be preached today Obed-Edom, he's being blessed beyond measure. He's got the ark there in his home. Well, David hears about it, and David's like, that ark belongs in the tabernacle. That ark belongs 
to the children of God. But this time, David does his homework. This time, David goes back to the Torah. And he reads in Exodus chapter 25 how God had commanded for the ark to be transported and for, his, for him to be worshipped. And so they go back and they get the ark and they use the poles and they do everything according to God's plan, God's commands. And every six steps that they took, it says they stopped and made a sacrifice to God. Now, I think in the church, sometimes we sing about sacrifice, we talk about sacrifice. I, I, I don't think that we associate the word sacrifice with the gruesome, bloody ugliness of death and blood that it was. Every six steps they took, something had to die. A lamb had to die. Blood had to be shed. It was a bloody, gruesome task to sacrifice a lamb. And they did it every six steps. Friends, we need to be reminded today not only what a sacrifice is, but how gruesome it was. And it had to be like that. The lamb was being sacrificed and dying for their sin, their disobedience. And church, can I just tell you today, that's the gospel. That's the gospel right there. Jesus one day would come as the perfect lamb of God, like one of these lambs. And he would come and he would die the death of Yuza once and for all. In our place. He, he came and died the death of Yuza for you so that you wouldn't be struck down dead in the presence of God. He, he came and died that death for all of us. He was struck down for our irreverence of Him. And on the cross, all the wrath of God that would be directed at you and me, that would be directed at our sinfulness, was absorbed into the body of Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you know who Tony Evans is. Probably a lot of you. He's a great preacher. Um, I love to hear him preach. He writes books. He tells this story, and it's a true story. He tells this story of a man who was out hiking with his wife one afternoon. In the middle of, a, of an open field, they got caught in a terrible thunderstorm, hailstorm. Now, this was, this was a, a massive hailstorm. It was one of those rare storms where the hail was as large as baseballs and, and, and softballs. Some of you have seen that before. And, and the man realized while he was in the middle of this field, he realized that if he didn't do something quickly, uh, that his wife was going to be severely hurt. And so he draped himself over his wife there in the middle of that field, covering her with his own body so that the hailstones would hit him instead of her. And he thought that the hailstorm would only last for a few seconds, but the hailstones just kept coming and kept coming and kept getting bigger and bigger and hitting harder and harder. 
And after a few minutes, his ears were bleeding, along with several other spots on his head and on his arms. And he tried to get to cover, but he was so weakened by the onslaught that he finally collapsed over his wife, only able to shield her from the danger as she laid beneath him. After a few minutes, the storm finally ceased, but the hailstones had taken their toll. They both survived, but he was left with scars from where the balls had battered away at him, scars that still remain until this day. He carries around with him visible reminders of the day that he saved his wife. The local news station got wind of this that took place, and so they did a news story about it, and uh, the newscaster asked the man's wife, uh, asked her how she felt about this experience, and she said this. She said, well, every time I see the scars, I love him more. Did you know that according to the book of Revelation that there will only be one person in heaven with scars? You and I are going to have perfected bodies. Our bodies are going to be glorified and perfected, but Jesus will forever have the scars and the holes in his hands and his feet and one in his side. And those scars will be to us an eternal reminder that the only reason that we are there is because he stood between the wrath of God and me. (laughs) He stood between the wrath of God and you. And He covered us. He covered us with His body. He covered us with His love. And He kept the hailstones of judgment from hitting us. And when we see the scars, it will make us love Him more. And now that I'm out of time, that brings us to the second point and the main point of the message today. Because of that, what's our only logical response? What's our only logical response to what we just talked about, to what Jesus has done for us here? Verse 14 here tells us that David danced before the Lord with all his might. When I was a kid, in the King James Version, I don't know how many of you got a King James Version or an old Bible in your hand, but it says David danced naked before the Lord. Anybody's Bible say that? That always intrigued me about this story, but he really didn't. He had on, evidently danced in his underwear, but it's all the same. But verse 14 tells us that he, he danced before the Lord with all his might, And goes on to say, with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Because, oh, by the way, the Old Testament not only instructed how the ark was to be carried, but also how the presence of God was to be worshipped. And you find it all throughout the Old Testament, these instructions. And David is before the presence of God and he danced with all his might and there were shouts and there were sounds of trumpets. And it's interesting to me that uh, one of David's wives is watching all this takes place. 
And she comes out to meet him and she, she says, David, you're making a fool out of yourself. You, you, your, your, your behavior is not befitting of a king, a king of the nation of Israel. And David goes on to explain to her, but, but he says in, in verse 21, he says, listen, I will celebrate before the Lord. Amen? David says, I will celebrate before the Lord. And he goes on to say, and you know what? I will become even more dignified than this. <laughs> Basically, he's saying this. You know what? I realize God chose me when I was nothing. God chose me when I was a nobody. And he's basically saying here, now that I am a somebody, right? Now that God has made me the king, he said, I'm going to show them that it's not because there's anything special about me, but it's about what he has done in me that is special. It's what he has done that is special. There's nothing about me special. But boy, it sure is special what God did in me. And for me. You see, for his wife, it was all about appearances. She didn't want people to think that they were weird or crazy or, or, or something like that. David says, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what they think about me. I want them to think about him. David gives us the essence of what worship is. Whether it be in song or whether it be in serving or volunteering or, or living a Christian life so that others might see him out in the community. He gives us the essence of what worship is. So here's my question for you today. What does your worship? All right? And again, worship is serving. Worship is singing. Worship is tithing. Worship is giving. Worship is helping the needy. Worship is doing all the things that God commanded for us to do for His good and for His glory. That's worship of Him. What does your worship tell others about the value of God to you? Do, do other people see how valuable God is to you? How much you value the salvation of your soul because of what Jesus did for you. And, and this morning, I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to make anybody guilty. If you feel guilty this morning, it's the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with me, all right? And I'm not trying to judge anyone here today. But what if... What if in a gathering of people coming together that say they're followers of Jesus Christ, what if in that gathering there was a time of what we call worship in singing? And what if the body of Christ is singing praises to the Lamb of God who died on the cross for our sins so that we wouldn't have to face the death of Yuza? We're singing praises to the King of all kings. And what if, while that was taking place, someone strolled in late, a cup of coffee in their hand, 
And they stand there with a bored look on their face, mumbling a few of the words every once in a while, but looking down to check their phone. What does that say to others about what you, the value that you place on your salvation? I, it, th- let me tell you something. Before I ask all of y'all these questions today, I've had to ask myself this week. What does it say to others about what your salvation is worth to you? And some, some people will reply, and, and, and I get it, and I hear it, and I know it, and I understand it. You know what? I'm just not really that expressive of a person. I, I don't get into the, the music, and I understand that. I, I understand why you might not seem to be excited in church. But what if? What if I walked up to you, And I handed you an envelope that contained a million dollars in it. Would your response be looking down, mumbling, checking your phone? Maybe we need to ask ourselves today if getting a million dollars would feel more significant to us than the salvation of our soul. Jesus once had a woman that come to him while he was eating and she was weeping. And she began to wash Jesus' feet with her hair and the teardrops that were falling. A lot of religious people that were there at the moment, and and they objected to what this lady was doing. They, they, They said it was inappropriate. They said it was undignified to do such a thing. But do you remember Jesus' response to them in that moment in Luke chapter 7 and verse 47? He said, those who are forgiven of much love much. Is it possible that we don't truly understand the value of the forgiveness that we have received through Jesus Christ? Friends, if you truly love something, if you truly love somebody, those around you are going to know it. They're going to know it. They look say, ah, those two are in love. If you truly love something, you express that love. You share that love. And that's how it should be with our worship of our Savior who took those hailstones of judgment for you and for me. When we worship, we shouldn't worry about what people are thinking about us. We ought to be worrying about what people are thinking about Him. 20 times in Scripture, kind of like the instructions that God gave in how to build the ark and carry the ark and worship the ark. Over 20 Other times in Scripture, we're instructed to raise our hands in worship. I don't know. I don't make the rules. God says we'll raise our hands in worship to our Father. There are multiple other references about singing loud in worship. And there are just as many other references about, I'm almost hesitant to say it, but the Bible says shouting 
and clapping your hands. Now, some of you can't clap to the rhythm of the music, so we prefer you not clap. Lynette and I used to sing in a group years and years ago before we had kids. And we traveled around all these different churches. And there was one particular church that we would go to. And their pastor was filled. I mean, he just bubbled. You could just see the presence of God bubbling out of him. And he was so happy and he was so joyful. And he worshiped and he loved music and he loved the singing and he loved to clap. That man had no sense of rhythm. And he sat right there, and we were trying to sing, and he's clapping. All. It was bad, y'all. But yet the Bible says, sing aloud, shout, clap your hands, play your instruments. See, I, I, I just don't, I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm not about that. Since when does how you feel become a condition of whether or not you obey God? The question is not what we feel like, but what He is worthy of, friend. Some of us today need to repent of the dignity that we carry into this place every week. We care too much about what other people think about us. Our Savior is worthy of our praise. And like with Obed-Edom, he's also deserving of our service. He's worthy of our commitment to serve the body of Christ. That's what this month is all about, trying to encourage you to realize that in the presence and the power of God, we will worship Him and we will serve Him. This week, our emphasis is on children's ministries. And some of you know deep down that you could help there. Amanda talked about in the video, we prepare Everything. You could basically go in there and read from a script for one hour and have done your time. <laughs> we make it as easy as anybody could possibly make it. Some of you know that you need to be helping. Some of you know that you can sit in a nursery and rock a baby. It takes 10 volunteers every week to do what we do in children's ministry. 10. So go sign up when we're dismissed. You will never, ever regret influencing a young child to accept Christ as their Savior. You'll never regret that. But you know what? First, we got to get right. It's about Him. It's got to be about Him. Would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to close with a song that some of us sang earlier. I want to invite all of you to sing it because I'm sure you all know it this morning. Let's worship our God together.
great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. You are the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. Oh, and my heart will sing how great is our God. You are the name above all names. You are worthy of all Oh, and my heart will sing how great is our God, how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou God, we come before you, and you are worthy of our praise. We are unworthy of your presence. But because of your son, Jesus, we stand before you righteous. Because of your son, Jesus, laying his life down over ours. And taking the beating and the punishment and the death that we deserved. God, because of Him, we can approach You with boldness today. We can come to You as our Father today. We can stand in the presence of God and worship You today for the love and the grace that we have been shown. 
God, for, forgive me of worrying about what people think about me. God, forgive me for making decisions based on the influence of other people. God, forgive us if we have failed you as the church of building your kingdom, representing you in a way that people see and experience through us the love and the grace and the forgiveness that we have received. That they would see through us the love that we have for our Savior and the help that you are to us in this life. And may they see that this life is so difficult. This life is so hard. This, this life is not worth living without you. May they see that in and through the lives that we live. And God, if they don't see you through us, forgive us. Forgive us today, God. And I pray that if there would be one person here uh, within the sound of my voice today that has never accepted you as Savior, that today would be the day they would accept you. Today would be the day they would uh, allow you to save them of their sins. That they would give their life and their plan, their family, their situation, and their mess to you today. God, we thank you that we can come to you with our mess. And we trust you. Our hope is only in you and you alone. So God, I thank you today for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in, in my heart. I thank you for what you're doing in my family. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church today. I see it in the lives of our people. People that are walking through a valley that have a glow of God on their face as they walk. And they journey a path that they don't know where it leads, but they know who's walking beside them and with them. And God, I pray for those in our church today that are going through physical battles and battling cancer and facing surgeries and recovering from surgeries and, and those that have just horrific family situations going on, God. People that are hurting today, people that are crying out for your help, for your salvation, for their kids. God, I thank you for your presence in their lives because I know that they know that you're at work even when they can't see you working. So we trust you. We place our faith in you like David. We may not always agree, but we're not God. You are. We trust you because of what you did for us. God, I just pray that you would find your church faithful. I pray that you would find us obedient to what you've called us to. And God, that you would receive all the glory and honor and praise in it all. It's in the powerful, it's that name of Jesus that we pray. And the church said together, Amen. Amen. Would you join me in our benediction today as we go out being the body of Christ that we've been called to be. Lord, let us go out into this world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. 
May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen and amen. And I love you so very much. God bless you.